Welcome back uh, to the Renaissance. Ray, episode 136, uh, yes. and uh, we have a special it. guest. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm rolling out my shoddy Italian because we have a very special guest coming to us from Roma in Italia, Julia. Uh, who has no last name that I'm aware of. Um, no, like a celebrity. We're just, we're just going to call her Julia. Right. <laughs> Julia. Well, uh, welcome. I just, I, just, I just finished watching the Get Back documentary last night with my so. wife and uh, still... Hence the song. Uh, Julia is uh, a new listener to the Renaissance uh, show and mm-hmm. is a tour guide at... The center of evil, uh, global, <clears throat> e- the headquarters of global evil, the Vatican, not right. Washington DC, the other one, no. the Vatican. Right. right. Yes. Welcome to our little show, Julia the Tour Guide. Uh, good afternoon. <laughs> good evening. Good morning. How are you guys doing? <laughs> We're all it's over night the place. time here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're doing yes. great. How are you? <laughs> so, good. Thank you. Good. Julia, um, are you are you uh, allowed to reveal your last name, or is it a uh, trade secret? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you, of course. No, right. it's charity. Yeah. Tell Jacob him. And tell charity. Him. Charity. Oh. Via Julia. Charity. Oh, it is charity. Okay. It is charity. I just didn't make that up. No, that's true. I thought that was a made-up name. Okay. Oh. No. no. <clears throat> so. Julia, judging by your um, delightful accent, your you didn't grow up around, you didn't grow up in the Vatican. No, not not right in the Vatican. No, not right. No. In the, a bit north of the Vatican, by about a thousand <laughs> something miles. Yeah, right. I'm from uh, the southeast of London, Seven Oaks in Kent, in the UK. Mm. So, uh, born and raised a Brit, but I moved over here when I was about uh, nineteen and did a gap year and fell madly in love with Rome. And uh, went home and changed my degree course to study Italian arts, literature and history from the University of Hull in um, northeast of England. Uh, so if you haven't heard of it, just think Oxford or Cambridge. Who knows? So you did a gap year when you were 19, so that I'm judging by, uh, we've, she's on camera now, um, mm-hmm. lucky listeners, and I'm judging that was like two years ago, something like that. <laughs> two and a half of the most. Yeah. Oh, uh, exactly. Thank you. I told you we're I told you we're nice to guests, didn't I? We are very, very nice. We're very, very smooth. nice, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Nice. So that's that's a fabulous story. So you just went. That's it. I'm uh, uh, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna move to yeah. England. Yeah, I did. Well, sort of. I um, after my degree course, and I spent a year of my degree studying university in Rome. Uh, went back, finished that, and then tried to work in the UK for about three months. I worked for the Royal Mail in the customer complaints department. It didn't go very mm. well. And mm. then, uh, yeah, one day I just mm. walked in the house. My mum looked at me and she went, uh, we need to talk. And the end result was I moved back to Italy. <laughs> so You were like, we Royal Mail, Rome. Royal Rome. Mail, Rome. Like, yeah, it's a hard choice, <laughs> hard decision. <laughs> Yeah, so with uh, old mummy's support, moved back over here, and that was about 20 years ago. So, yeah, and wow. now I have uh, a cat, actually two cats, a dog, a husband, two small children who might come toddling through the door at any moment. I don't know. Um, Excellent. So. Yeah, we've all got small children running around somewhere right now that could come barging in, but that's okay. It's part of the yeah. fun of doing right. podcasts from home. Keeps you on the so, edge of your seat. 
you, yeah. you're, you're, you're literally, uh, I guess, living the dream. You know, my wife and mm-hmm. I, and Ray, uh, mm-hmm. my other wife, my other, both my wives and I went to, oh <laughs> well, last in Italy, 2018. Right. Yes, 2018. Yes, I think. Sounds right. And, so, um, so long ago, yeah. No, you know, in the world, well, yeah, B B C B, B, before COVID, as I like right. to call it. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. When, uh, That's how we need to like name things now. And <laughs> and I, you know, it was my second. I th- I think it was my second time in Italy, and um, I, you know, came home and I said to my wife, uh, "Let's move to Florence." And, uh, you know, we've been learning Italian for the last couple of years and the plan is to, to move and spend, not to live, but to spend at least, you know, three months of the year in Florence doing renaissance podcasty kind of stuff, mm. movies, podcasts, that kind of stuff. But you're living the dream. So, uh, and, uh, you know, I've uh, watched lots of YouTubes of people from uh, America mostly that have moved to Italy and um, a good friend of our show, uh, Lisa Tucci, who's probably listening to this, Lisa is an American who uh, moved to Italy, I think, 20 years ago as well. And she's written a fantastic book um, talking about uh, how, uh, you know, just how difficult life is in Italy for people who grew up somewhere else. All of the cultural... Differences. It's really. It's quite acerbic and funny. And she she loves Italy and loves the Italians. But it's she's just honest. It's like, yeah, yeah the post office, man. The post oh, office. God. It'll uh. it'll take decades of your life at the post office. Um, no, can you tell us disaster. tell us some of the stories about what it was like when you moved there twenty uh, odd years ago? Oh God, complete culture shock. Uh, I had to rework my whole way of looking at the world. And I really didn't do it immediately. It took me a while. It took me like, I think maybe two or three years to get into the idea that I'm not living a sort of a, a you know a British life in Italy. I actually have to start trying to understand this culture in a more intrinsic mm-hmm. way. And it really is different. I mean, like, you know, we would go out and drink with friends of an evening in the UK. You know, the social life is based around drinking and pubs and and that kind of thing. But over here, it's yes. all about food. It's mm. uh, Everything is based around... I mean, literally, when I'm with my relatives, my husband's family in Naples, they can talk about food until the cows come home. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, they can be eating clams, talking about how they cook the clams and want to cook the clams later and are going to cook the clams tomorrow. So, hello. Is it, isn't it <laughs> enough to eat the clams? Do you have to talk about how to... I mean... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you'd think, you'd think, yeah. but no, no, they have to no. discuss every which way from Sunday about whatever they're eating and whatever they want to do with it next. It's just insane. Oh. And uh, I love food, but but then they drink around the food as opposed to quickly eat dinner and then dash out and get wasted of an evening. It's completely mm-hmm. different from that perspective. From a young person's perspective, that was mm-hmm. quite interesting. I mean, to learn the language, I also had to kind of ditch any uh, English ties that I had at a certain point I had to make this active decision I was not going to hang out with English people or anyone right. who spoke English I um, had to break away yeah, how, so was you, you, how <laughs> was your Italian when you moved there? no it was terrible um, right. I, mm. I uh, did a GCSE in Italian but an English GCSE in Italian is like you know five words out of a book that you're tested on a, you know what I mean it's just nothing you can't it's not conversational so mm. um yeah, and uh, yeah, it was in, it was intense, but I studied twenty minutes a day. I was very organised. 
after hanging out with my Italian friends, I'd make notes of the stuff that I really wanted to get into, like pick a word and sort of focus on it and grammar. And yeah, we got there. We got nice. there. Oh, conjugations of verbs, man. Yeah. Future, you got to live there. Perfect, future, perfect, yeah. future. Oh, man. We'll just talk about the right. present. That's what I do. I only stick to the present. <laughs> yeah, As a historian, it's kind of hard, but yeah. That, that's, that's not far off with Italians. They don't they say things like, I'm going. They say, I'm, I go. That's why they speak right. English so weirdly to us because. Oh, that's how yeah. I talk. Like, if you okay, use the well. gerund in Italian, if you say, Sto andando, or Yo sto facendo, like, I'm doing, I'm going, then they're like, right now, this second, like, you're doing that now? No, you're not. I can see Literally. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. Sounds like you just need to move there, Cam. Just move there, then learn yes. the language as opposed well, to the other way. Well, no, that's what everyone says. You have to move there. But, um, you know, uh, uh, during COVID, it's been slightly difficult to just get up and move there. How's right. it been for you, the um, the whole COVID thing, Julie? You and your family, is it, uh, you, you're all been safe? We've been safe. We've been... Well, I'm a tour guide and my husband owns a restaurant in Trastevere. So we, uh, yeah, we kind of, sort of you know, nosedive mm. 10 years back right. in, in our lives, sort of starting over oh. again, basically. It's, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. Wasn't it not a good time for tour guides either, right? I'm sure. No, yeah. working at home for tour guides, not easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Become a podcaster. Just yeah. become a podcaster. Yeah. I kind of did something similar. I tried to get something going a little bit whilst things were rough and did my own virtual tour thing. And, nice. Yeah, but uh, it's not the same. I mean, it works when you, everyone's in lockdown for a minute, but it's not yeah. super popular. I mean, sitting right. in the living room in Idaho, kind of watching someone go, and look, I'm in Rome. <laughs> Yeah, to be used. Yeah, yeah. yeah. showing um, up. And yeah. so, how are things there now? Are you is life back to some kind of new normal? It was, it kind of is, but now everyone's on the edge of their seats with this this Omicron business, mm-hmm. and we're like, are we going to get shut down again? Can we have Christmas? Is everything going to be okay? We don't know. So now they've created this thing called the Super Green Pass, which. Is like, uh, you know, people who, because it used to be you have a green pass, you have to show your phone to people with the barcode, like QR code, mm. to get in anywhere. And it was if you're twice vaccinated or you do your, te- your uh, test. If you don't want the vaccination, you have to do your test and have the green pass that way. Now they won't give it to anyone who's just doing the test. You only get it if you have a vaccination. And they're checking mm-hmm. everyone gets their third jab. And so it's all getting a bit... Mm. Tightening mm. up. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I, I, I mentioned though, okay. you're... You're probably okay though, because as a Vatican tour guide, you, you get the uh, papal blessing from Frank uh, every time you go in there. That'll keep. Uh, we, if we know anything about COVID, it's that uh, Christians yeah. are, are immune from it. Uh, Absolutely, Catholics. I think. Yeah, completely yeah, totally, safe. Totally, I mean, totally yeah. Safe. yeah. I work at the Vatican. I mean, you try, yeah, the, the Black Death could return. Hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not push it. Let's not attempt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so walk us through those early years. So you, you go over, what do you, how do you survive when you get over there as a, uh, a young British woman in her early 20s? Like what, what with do you, five, with what five do you words do? of Italian, yeah. Uh, well, you work for a cultural association uh, and just take, take tours for, for them. And so I, I kind of looked around to try and find work. I worked in a, a bar for a while called The Drunken Ship. You've probably got students <laughs> who listen to this who 
know it, American students in Rome like the drunken ship. Uh, right. Big old hangout. Uh, I did that. I waitressed for a while um, in my gap year. But when I came back over here, I just kind of looked around to see what I could do and fell into tour guiding. Uh, it just kind of happened because it just made sense. I mean, my degree was in sure. Italian art, literature, and history. So started tour guiding at the Vatican back then. Um, right. And uh, I actually did about 10 years or so there, but also elsewhere, sort of uh, doing some other stuff too. And then uh, took a big break and moved to California. As you do, just kind of went, ah, I'm leaving now. Okay, bye. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. I, was, I was into photography and whatnot. Came back after two and a half years, tail between my legs. Rome was more my thing. And mm. I got, kind of got back into it. Had a family in the meantime, so it took it a bit slower. And then last year in January, February, I applied for a job internally at the Vatican. Um, right. as an as an internal guide because uh, I hadn't been there since 2012 I think no 10 around about that that long and uh, mm. I was like I think I would quite like to be there now this would be great you know so go back to my roots sort of thing and uh, did an interview and passed and got the job uh, so to speak um, but then COVID right. so really I only I've only been an internal guide at the Vatican for five months now because we started wow. Work. Still qualified. Still qualified so in, to talk to us. So. An internal guide <laughs> means what exactly? Um, that I, the Vatican is my agency. So mm. the internal right. tours, when you walk in the doors and you see the big sign that says tours, and this is on offer at this time, and la la la, I'm one of the 200 or so guides that they have that work just sort of exclusively, not exclusively for them, because we're allowed to work on agencies too. Yeah, they have about 200. Wow. Oh, wow! Yeah, which means we don't um, get much work right now. Right. It's, uh, so it's it, you, so you you you're dealing with the general public, though. It's not just like uh, visiting Monsignoras coming in from Argentina, no, and you're giving no. No, it's uh, I do work for the general public. Um, we uh, we do we do the general sort of group tours, but then they do VIP tours as well, and uh, we do the private sectors, um, the Scala Bramante, the Cappella Nicolina, Sala Reggia, all of the kind of private parts of the Vatican, which are only opened on uh, special requests. Mm. Um, but Ooh. I've only been there for a few months, so I haven't done a lot of that yet. I've done a few. I've done yeah. I think, three tours of the Bramante staircase and the, the Nicolaine Chapel. So pretty wow. cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm jealous. And the We're Vatican jealous. Gardens, we'd be the guides that you would get if you did a Vatican Gardens oh. tour. Wow. You can only go with, yeah. Have you seen Paolo Sorrentino's TV show, The Young Pope? Oh, uh, I have not. I have seen the movie, The, the Two Popes. Mm, no, it's yeah, diff different. I haven't seen no. that. I haven't watched it. I should. <laughs> Do you know Paolo Sorrentino? He's probably I, the one of the great, greatest film Italian film directors working right now. He's the new Fellini, I think, for my money. Yeah, he did this TV show. <laughs> yeah, he did uh, La Grande Bellezza. Yeah. and he's done a lot of lot of great films. But he did um, these two TV series, um, The Young Pope, which is uh, where um, uh, oh crap, what's his name? Um, Jude Law. Jude Law. Plays, I was born with Jude Law that he did. Okay. Yes. Nice. He plays the Pope. He He's this brash 40-odd-year-old American who gets selected Pope suddenly and uh, he's very bizarre. <laughs> such, a, such a silly idea. Sorry, it's a silly he's, idea. 
chain smoking yeah. cigarettes all the time yeah. and 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 you're not quite sure if he's an atheist or not for a while there but it's all about the internal politics really at the, at the Vatican it's a bit like the west wing but set in the Vatican right mm. and um but he's like he's kind of weird and then in the second season um he's replaced by a new pope which is uh, John Malkovich and oh, well, he's also that's even weirder <laughs> And he's and John Malkovich is like he plays a character who's like British nobility, um, who uh, sits around his family's uh, estate in England before he gets elected pope, wearing wearing sort of semi dresses and eyeliner, and uh, he's very kind of eccentric. Right. He gets elected pope, and he has to do the whole thing. But it's great; they're, they're, they're just so great. They're just fantastic shows, but. They're set. They're, they're in sets. Obviously, they're not shot in the Vatican, but these sets are amazing, and it really makes you feel like you're in mm. the Vatican for this entire period of the show. So I wanted. I wondered if you'd uh, seen it. And, yeah, and, and, I wish and, I had. You know what you thought of it. Mm. Oh, I wish yeah. I could comment on it. I could comment on. Well, the, that's the... it. Our interview's over then, Julia. We'll finish, okay. I really <laughs> wanted to know if you'd seen. <laughs> Ciao. Bye. Were they as lavish as the sets on Caligula? Now that I'm trying to bring up anything um, risque oh, or anything yes. like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and quite a bit of raunchiness in this too. Um, well, it's a Yeah, exactly. So, when you talk about the Borges, uh, that's a TV show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, wow. Yeah, I, I couldn't get into that. It's, you know, historical oh, no. fiction like that is to, you know, for historians, uh, not that Ray and I really I consider ourselves historians, but when you watch histo- historical fiction like that, it's always like, because it's made for TV, they cut stuff out, they move yeah. stuff around. And, you know, it's I spend my own time going, hold on a second. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Oh, God. I mean, if you want to talk about that now, okay, right. Well, the Borges, I was like, I was exactly saying that. That, what you just said. I saw a few clips of it. I was like, no, no, this is just gossipy crap. I'm not watching it. Sorry. Right. Um, Fluff. But yeah, but then I started watching and I was, I was like, okay, my first biggest criticism was that they've made you like Cesare Borgia and feel some kind <laughs> of pathos for the Pope, for, for Rodrigo Borgia. I'm like, yeah. nope, nope, okay. <laughs> Strike one. But, but Cesare Borgia in that show is hot. And I'm like, okay, it's fiction. It's fiction. You just look at it like that and it's fun. And it does give some of the more gossipy stuff, which is interesting to kind of take on board. But then you're like, no, now I have to go read a book. Now I have to see what was true and what wasn't. Um, And it's, yeah. So once I decided I was going to just let it go, I really enjoyed it. Mm. It gave you a kind of nice, fun feel. Yeah, guilty pleasure. Yeah, Guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like our time in Vegas. Um, you know, it, it, uh, yes, I wish I, I wish I could be that loose with it. And, and look, and I, and I, and I fully appreciate historical fiction if that mm-hmm. is made. And, and you always hope that it, it does interest the general public in learning more about the subject. So they come and listen to our show and get exactly. the real yes. stories. Yeah. Uh, the one the that real really, real. really ticked me off though was um, a uh, Troy and the end scene of that movie. I was going to watch it. Yes, I was going to mention and, Troy. And, and yes, they've that's got like I always think little pipsqueak Paris kind of turning to like ten year old Aeneas and going, "Here, son, take this sword, go forth." <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "Oh yeah. my god!" <laughs> <laughs> like, what? And yeah. Ray and I, Ray and I did a. God knows how many long episode, 200 series episode, 200 episode series on Alexander the Great. 
Yes. And of course, you know, the um, Colin Farrell episode, uh, uh, Colin Farrell film on Alexander Mm. the Great, which has a beautiful, like the Battle of Gorgamela, beautiful cinematically. Um, But yeah, you spend the whole film going, oh, really? Oh, really? Kind of the way that 300 is beautiful cinematically. It's complete tosh. Yes. Yes. I wish it had been. Well, 300, like, you know, yes. It's even more cartoony and comic book. But, you know, you you do hope that it inspires the kiddies to. um, Yeah. And that's where it's at, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Book, audiobook, something. So let's go back a little bit. What was it uh, specifically when you were a youngster that motivated you to go do your art degree? What, what, David. what connected with you? Really? David, David yeah. Markham, my Napoleon No co-host. question. <laughs> because no. Uh, literally six years old, I was a kid. My dad had a huge statue of the David. It was as big as I was when I was six in our back garden on a pedestal that was as tall as I was when I was six. Wow. So for me, when I was little and just standing in our back garden is this amazing thing, which I was always saw every day. And it was, to me, it was the biggest statue in the world. And then he took us on holiday and we went to Florence and he took us to see the David. And I just remember just standing underneath it, no concept whatsoever of what this meant in the bigger scheme of things. But just, and this is where it gets, which is where I'm like, this is what it does. I had no knowledge, nothing, but I'm six and I'm standing there. I'm like, (laughs) you know, it's just breathtaking. It's a moment. I'm like, it's It's bigger than ours. (laughs) Yes. But um, no, it was just, it just stuck in my mind. My dad always had like, Raphael Renaissance books around and and, mm. uh, and then I'm yeah so that kind of really sparked something and the holiday mm. was great I mean Tuscan is beautiful when you're a kid um, mm. from some yeah. viewpoint and uh, then yeah Pompeii cool. when I was mm-hmm. 13 the school took me to Pompeii and took us kids to Pompeii and uh, that holiday just stuck in my mind and I was like I want to move to Italy I want to learn Italian and, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. What school trip takes you to Pompeii? What kind of school did you go to, Julia? <laughs> special school. It, yeah, it was special. If I say it, you're going to... I see. I No, 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 no. I had a first refund. Mm. But I did. Mm. I went to West Heath, which is a private school. My dad, when, I was, right. when I was a kid, my dad had a lot of money and, yeah, but mm. he was well-to-do. Um, right. And uh, I, I had a good, a good, I'm very lucky to have had a, yeah, a good Yeah, good for schooling. you. And it one of the options was Pompeii, a week in Sorrento, Pompeii, yeah. when I was 13. Mm. Yeah. Did they show you all of the, uh, the the frescoes and the brothels of all the different sex positions? Of course. I mean, 13 buy? years old. Oh, <laughs> Why not? Fantastic. No. Fantastic. <laughs> no, I no. don't even remember the visit to Pompeii. It wasn't that that I fell in love with. <laughs> oh, <laughs> was, okay. David. Just no, just David, yes, and uh, uh, yeah. no, just Sorrento, just the but, fun that was Italy, really. But when you right. went back as a in your gap year, what was it? What was it in that trip that made you go back and change your degree? Um, okay, so first of all, before my gap year, even I was at sixteen years old before my A levels. My I said to my mum, "I'm not going to do my A levels. I'm moving to Italy." <laughs> and oh, my mum was like. Shit. Oh, how about this? Mm-hmm. How about if you wait two years, do your A-levels, I'll pay for an open flight for you. And I was wow. like, okay, I haven't got any money. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good plan. 
Yeah. So, but then when I was 18 and I moved over, I just fell in love with the culture with, um, even though I didn't mm. really assimilate it thoroughly, I just kind of, I just had such an, a great time here and I felt like the people were so welcoming and interesting and lively and, and just things were so different than back home. And mm. I just, I remember I did go through the Vatican museums when I was 19 and I knew absolutely bugger all. And, mm. uh, just walking through it without knowing anything. I barely even looked up in the Sistine Chapel. I remember it just once like, kill myself but um mm. it was barely finished the restoration but uh just in general it just made me want to come back again and then i started mm -hmm. studying everything and when i started mm -hmm. studying it all then i realized mm. like oh yeah we're onto something here <laughs> so cool <laughs> yeah. it just clicked for you yeah. yeah i just kind of i don't know okay so, so, inside somewhere there's been this little train that just was always aimed at moving to Italy somehow I don't know right yeah that yeah. is cool well, how that works out and you yeah and your husband is Neapolitano is that what she said yes mm -hmm. right how did you Jesus. meet uh in uh, the gym <laughs> a kickbox class oh you'd think it would be more romantic than that but no it's still a good story class. Oh, it's even better, but I'm sure you don't have the time to listen to my story. Because it wouldn't actually have happened if we'd, I didn't move to California, because then I bumped into someone there that actually knew him, who I became great friends with. And I had a crush on him, but he didn't even right. look at me. And she she wrote him and was like, oh, this girl, Julia, she's moving back soon. I know you know her on Facebook. You've got to get with her. She's awesome kind of thing. And uh, and I came back. And, yeah. So On California. Facebook? Yeah, it was very yeah because she'd lived in Rome for a while, and I just right, met how, her how out in California. Ago, how long ago was this? <laughs> a while ago, um, this was like I moved to California in 2010, and I came back here in 2012 and a half. -ish. Right. Yeah. Well, it's the, not that long ago. Okay. Not that long. Ago. The tapest the tapestry that is your life. It's I thought yeah, it would be a, it would be a I, better story if I felt like you actually. We're not really here to hear about that. <laughs> no. Well, I think it's cool. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody's like, life is better than mine. I know yeah. that for a fact. Ray yeah. lives what do you vicariously do, through Ray? other people's what stories. Do you, what, what do you do <sighs> other than this? Because I don't know the show very well. I don't know what your, yeah. what your thing yeah. is. Like, uh, prepare to be disappointed. Um, okay. I, I do the podcast. I walk my dog. I think we're done. I think that's pretty <laughs> much what I do. So uh, let's, let's talk about you walk. some more. <laughs> I put, my dog's on the couch right now, but other than that, I yeah. don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I put the dog on the treadmill, and I put a chair beside the treadmill. I don't even do that very well. So the point is, I I don't have much of a life. No, oh, Ray, okay. Ray, well, and I talk are, to you. Uh, Ray and I have been full-time podcasters for a long time. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is, this is what we do. Yeah. And we just cel we're celebrating our eighth anniversary this week. Yes. We've been yes. doing... Oh, podcast wow. together for eight every week for eight every years. Freaking week. <laughs> Three years. Oh my God. Anyway, I'm done. I'm sorry. Sorry. That sounds sorry. amazing. Oh. Yeah, it, is. it is. It is. That sounds wonderful. Um, okay. I'm so envious of you. <laughs> so let's get on to the Vatican. Envious um, of you. Yeah, go ahead. Now, uh, uh, look, uh, 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 as they're your legitimate employer, I don't want to insult them or you, but I struggle um, whenever I go to the Vatican. I've been there a couple of times, and I really, I really struggle with the with. On one hand, uh, there's amazing art and amazing architecture and a fascinating history that I love. On the other hand, I really, 
I have this like sick feeling every time I go to the Vatican, just at the the opulence and the wealth uh, and all of that mm. kind of stuff associated with Catholicism and and the church, the history and the whole thing. And it it always makes it a very um, odd experience when I go to the Vatican, trying to appreciate the the art and the history side of it whilst disassoci- disassociating myself from the political social r- religious side yeah. of it um mm-hmm. is do you think in your experience as a tour guide is that a common thing or are most people less complicated and they just enjoy it for what it is <laughs> once Ooh, ah. uh, i heard they're like oh my god it's amazing and it is yeah. all amazing and it's true yeah that most people don't comment on that to be honest with you i haven't had that much comment on that commentary on that um and and when it does come up my immediate response is yeah you and martin luther so things happen when people feel uncomfortable um <laughs> it's uh, yeah so it's just something that I mean I I've kind of have my own issue with I'm okay but yeah. um what my point is that um I've had it's difficult sometimes the idea of the, the thought of man trying to reach God through gold I mean it doesn't really make oh. sense to me um, exaltation mm. in God's name in His image mm. being Lord it's just the whole thing I have trouble with it so. Mm. I, I understand people who have trouble with it and relate to them to a degree. But, but I. But. Sorry, I was going to say, but a, a, a king creating his own version of Christianity so he can get a divorce. No, we're that's fine. fine with no, that. no, we're good with that's that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that, that bit's fine. That, that makes <laughs> I've total done sense. That. I started my own religion. Yeah, so it's okay. No, well, the, the problem, yeah, the problem, the problem there most certainly was uh, the objective. But um, it became something more valid. It became something more kind of... Uh, in sure, the end. Dude, yeah. in the, come sure, on, just let sure, me have this one. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> the British have so, so little, so few things that they can attach themselves to these days. You know, you, you, you're scrambling for anything you can yeah. take. You know. Someone took yeah. their empire. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Oh, they've been trying Where so we? hard recently. No, we I saw David. I saw an old interview with David Bowie last night and he was talking about his friendship with John Lennon and he said... You know the thing about the Beatles was it just made it made Britain feel like we mattered again when the Beatles came out and we so desperately wanted something to attach ourselves to. I'd never yeah. thought about that before. I guess it probably makes sense, but anyway, we, I digress. So, um, yes, the the wealth and the opulence and that kind of stuff. So yeah. um, let's 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 talk about uh, you know your favorite bits in the Vatican. Let's get to the art. Um, mm. Is there a, is is there a particular um, like uh, tour? Because I know the, I've done a couple of tours of the Vatican, and and they've both been different sections. You know, you get your two hours, and it's a big place, and there's a lot mm. of stuff. It's like going to the Louvre. I mean, you could spend half the rest of your life and probably not see everything, <laughs> let alone all the secret shit they have down in the uh, Vatican. <laughs> You know, yes. the bowels of the Vatican and the archives, proof that Jesus didn't exist and all that kind of stuff. Um, what? <laughs> we live in hope. We live in hope. Come on. What, what's David. the thing? Well, we... What's the. Sorry, the, the, uh, isn't um, the Pope supposed to be. Um... Oh, that's the uh, pious archives that are supposed to be revealed. He's been sitting on the pious archives. He's supposed to reveal them. And then, then COVID miraculously nah. hit last year and he went, oh, well, we can't. 
have to push Never it mind. down. Yep, we'll have to hold off. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. We can't release these uh, when there's I want to. pandemic. I want to release yeah. them. No, no, um, it's another 50-year a... sort of block yeah. just, just became functional. Sorry. Nazis, pious, what? No. No, no. 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 Jews, no. Um, I don't, yeah. Sorry, no, <laughs> sorry. We, we also do a series on the Cold War, Ray and I, and we, we love uh, making you? fun uh, of that. Of, see, we love, I have no life. I love have Nazis. no life. And so Ray do does a World War II do? podcast. Yeah. What do I have to do yeah. to get subscribed to all of yours, your, your series then? <laughs> so I can fully get to know. Get I us can't... into the basement of the Vatican and we yeah. will show you everything. <laughs> Give you everything. Yeah, yeah. I will come to your house and record it live. How's yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, the whole thing starting from the beginning all over again. <laughs> well, right, okay. well, we um, sorry. So, getting back to my question, is there yeah, a specific uh, part of the Vatican that you specialize in, or are you just uh, um, okay? So, the truth of the matter is, ninety percent of the guides at the Vatican do the same tour over and over um, because that's what people want. So, yeah. the, gener- the generic Vatican tour is obviously going to be. Through the entrance, Sistine Chapel coverage, um, through to the octagonal courtyard, see the uh, Belvedere Palace, through the Pinecone Courtyard, and the, the bronze sphere mm. that you like, and, um, and mm. then around through the galleries and down to the Raphael rooms, if you're lucky. If you're not, then straight to the Sistine. Um, mm-hmm. And you'd kind of do what you have what you have to do. You make it your own if you if you have like the spark to do it. Not make it make it interesting, of course, because you need to be interested in what you're talking about. Um, but I feel, but uh, I feel like if I could do the perfect tour for the Vatican for me, it would be obviously it has to be oriented towards Michelangelo and Raphael, Bramante and Julius II because they're the big guys. They're the kind of protagonists. Um, and I, if it were for me, you would do that option of a tour at the Vatican, or you would have an option where you could do the uh, diversity, where you could do the pick and choose through the whole museum, and mm-hmm. and just minimum coverage of Michelangelo and Raphael. Um, but my favourites, uh, most certainly, the sculpture courtyard, the octagonal courtyard, um, the Apollo Belvedere, uh, the Laocoon. If we're talking about Michelangelo, of course, the High Renaissance. Um, and uh, the Raphael rooms and the Sistine Chapel. The Sistine Chapel, I love the ceiling, I love the vaults, but the altar wall is kind of more juicy, the Last Judgment. Mm. Mm. So there's more juicy bits there. Um, and uh, I would include the Borgia apartments as well, uh, because the Borgia is so much fun. I mean, with 500 years of distance, we can call them fun. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Enough time has I, passed. I, I don't think I've ever seen those. Tell, us, tell me about the Borgia yeah. apartments. Well, it's it's the the floor beneath the Raphael rooms floor. So oh. you, yeah, so it's and you do go through it because nowadays the route um, has, in fact, I think it's been used for a while now to get to the Sistine. You have to kind of go down into the bowels, uh, under right. to the second yep. the second floor through and across through the modern religious collection and then into the Sistine. So after you go through the Raphael rooms, you go down the stairs, then you enter the Borgia apartments. You go through the Borgia tower. And um, sometimes they're open and sometimes they're not in terms of the other five rooms. Um, Mm -hmm. Rodrigo Borgia, when he became Pope, moved into these apartments. They're basically in the Nicoline Fortress, which is um, the kind of nucleus of apartments, uh, sort of residential building at the Vatican. And um, and in these rooms he had Pinturicchio paint, uh, 
various different scenes, incorporating his, the portraits of his family, because Alexander mm-hmm. VI had four children, as you may or may not know, um, four right. children who are actually quite famous. Most people have heard of Lucrezia Borgia, um, Juan Borgia not so much, he kind of got the chop, his brother Cesare apparently knocked him off, although we're not 100% sure it was Cesare's doing, it's thought right. perhaps Cesare killed his brother um, out right. of jealousy. Uh, and another... Yeah, another another Borgia called Joffrey, who actually married a chick mm. called Sancha. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, except oh. if you were reading it, you might accidentally pronounce it Sansa. Mm. You see, uh, Game mm. of Thrones. So, like you said, yeah. fun. Killing, murders, kids. Uh, it's great time. Great time. So Rodrigo Borgia mm. has four children as cardinal. A lot of people, like, they, they, they're surprised that a cardinal has four children, but actually um, in the Renaissance yeah. it wasn't such a surprise. Um, they, it, but they could be named cardinal deacons instead of uh, a cardinal bishop, and so they become cardinal deacons, and you can still have the hanky-panky. You can still... Oh, good to you know. You can uh, mess around with uh, courtesans, if you wish, which are uh, basically relationships mm-hmm. for hire, courtesans, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but anything outside easy. of marriage, mm. isn't it a sin? Do we ever. It's uh, worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to sit here now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what Ray tells his wife whenever she tries to bring lovers home, but uh, mm. doesn't. You know, you're a Catholic. It's a sin. And she's like, mm, well, of course, though, it really? wasn't exactly oh, written down. Yeah. Like, you may go and, 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 and have some fun yeah. with a court. But it's like people yeah. are like, oh, I'm not looking... Uh, and uh, and Rodrigo Borgia actually fell in love with Vanotta Catanei, his courtesan lady, yeah. and had these four kids yeah, with her, yeah, yeah. and uh, legitimized them eventually, which you could also do by having a nobleman marry the mother. So oh. yeah, you just got to have words with him first, though, like touch her, don't you go near. Right. Right. So get someone to mm-hmm. agree, and uh, there you are, legitimized children. Most popes, if this happened to them and they had this anything mm-hmm. like this situation mm-hmm. with children that they wanted mm-hmm. to legitimize, then when they became pope, they would uh, uh, they would they would say, no, no, it's my nephew. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> not, my, not, my, not my child, right. my nephew. But Rodrigo Borgia becoming Alexander the Sixth after purchasing mm-hmm. the papacy, mm-hmm. essentially, which he bribed mm-hmm. everyone to vote for him mm-hmm. in 1492 um, mm-hmm. when he's voted in which is what happened in the Sistine Chapel, of course. It was the first papal vote in the Sistine Chapel, Rodrigo Borges becoming Pope. Um, right. Yeah, after he became uh, the Pope, then he kind of went, yep, these are my kids, and? <laughs> Move, yeah, and? Move, yeah, that, yeah, because, you know, people say that we're Jewish, mm. you know, we're like... Uh, and let's get rid of all no, of the oh, Jews. I thought you were making reference to... I thought you were making reference to the people that were sort of referring to uh, the Borgia Pope as a Jew uh, commiserator. Yeah. So oh. people, they didn't like us. It was Spanish. Yeah, and they were. No. Oh, right. Well, yes. Uh, we, we, yeah, yeah, we did a nice. we did a big series on the Inquisition and all that kind of stuff a while back, yeah. So money, power, mm-hmm. corruption, lies, do whatever you want, cover it up. Nothing's really changed uh, no, not too much, since no. then. So, uh, Good to know. Yeah, the Borgia. The thing is, mm. well, well, in, in relation mm. to the Vatican, okay, the, the, the Borgia... Mm. <laughs> it was the Donald Trump the There are clear lines in parallel. Honestly, you could you could do a podcast on that. That would right. work. <laughs> but you've got to be a bit careful <laughs> with that. Um, right. 
Anyway, um, but the, my, yeah. my kind of take on yeah. the Borgias is that if you don't have this very corrupt and horrific family, you also don't have, and I will make my, I'll, I'll come to a point here, you don't have the Dome of St. Peter's, you don't have Michelangelo working on St. you don't have the Last Judgment in the Sistine Chapel, and you don't have the Raphael rooms, because it is the despicable mm -hmm. nature of these people. Um, and in, I mean, Rodrigo Borgia becoming the Pope, he has his son, Cesare, move into the apartments upstairs in the mm -hmm. Vatican palaces. Um, and uh, his son, as I said, was a murderer, um, not just as the Pope would murder mm. for political reasons, mm. right? So if he needed to, Cesare Borgia was sure. like, you're in my sure. way. Get out, all right? He even killed his brother-in-law in the Borgia Tower, his own brother-in-law, Alfonso D'Aragona. Uh, when he got, uh, when he was no longer politically useful, but um, mm. the when when Rodrigo Borgia as Pope mm. became tired of his mistress, his courtesan Vanotto Cagane, um, he took on sure. another, which you may be we familiar all do. with. Her name is Giulia La Bella Farnese. <laughs> all right, and so she's this beautiful, beautiful woman, fascinating, charming woman, mm. um, and she sort of becomes his um, his uh, so concubine. Um, well, one day, apparently, he says to her, my dear, what can I do for you? And she says, instead of riches, I want money, I want jewels, I want whatever. She says, make my brother cardinal. And so, yes, and so, nice. uh, and so he does. He makes mm -hmm. Alessandro Farnese cardinal. Alessandro Farnese goes on to enrich their family to um, a, an insane amount. I mean, the, the French embassy in Rome is in Palazzo Farnese, just next to Campo dei Fiori. And if you go there, you will see a building which has three floors. And each one of those floors is, is architecturally designed by a different Renaissance master. You have, um, you have uh, Bramante, wow. you have Michelangelo and San Gallo, all three of them in one building. I mean, and then he becomes Pope. So he becomes the Pope. Uh, right. And when he becomes Pope, as you may know he is the one that actually has Michelangelo uh, come and fresco the altar wall with the Last Judgment in the Sistine Chapel. Uh, and he actually said Michelangelo didn't want to do it. He's like, I am sick of working in there. I did that ceiling 20 years ago. Can you just leave me alone? I want to finish the tomb of Julius II. Get out of my hair. Come on. Um, but, but the Pope, Paul III Farnese, basically goes, I have waited 30 years to have you work under me. And I have had yeah. to become the Pope. To do it, so yeah, Michelangelo's like nice. Oh. Love that. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and he is God's representative on uh, the planet. Do you think yeah, that would yeah. be enough to get Michelangelo to yeah. shut yeah. up and get so to work? Then all of that because well, because the Voyager Pope had a bit of a thing for this hot chick called Julia. Um, <laughs> so you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and is this? Is this is this how you tell the story? Yeah, on I know. Tours? I know, but it's a good you... one. No, it's a serious question because, as I mentioned to you in as I mentioned to you in my email, like the the, the last time we were there, oh no, our tour guide was boring oh, and extremely disappointing. It was horrible. Yeah, yeah, and and it was particularly uh, disappointing because we had. Before we got to Rome last time, we'd been to Paris, we'd been to Florence, yes. we'd had tour guides everywhere, yes. and they were all fabulous, like really entertaining, really engaging, oh knowledgeable, fun. And this guy we had at the Vatican was terrible. Um, 
but uh, I, I, I was just wondering, like, yeah. how much personality are you allowed oh, you to would. bring You'd be to out of that, yeah, for sure. Job? I mean, we'd get fired within five minutes, I know. But um, you know. No, well, okay. So yeah. Oh, totally. When, yeah. when and we loving were, every uh, minute When of I it. went through the interview yeah. process, uh, yeah. I was actually surprised that um, the uh, gentleman that interviewed me afterwards when he did the welcoming sort of thing this year, he told everyone, just be yourselves. Just be who you are on tour just and the thing about it is some Italians when you get an Italian tour guide and they're giving a tour to English or American or Australians or whoever it is they give it the, the way that they would to an Italian group and Italians don't like to joke about their history not so much or at least the older generation makes sense don't. so it kind of became it has to be academic it yeah, has to be sure. very serious it has to be um no I've never been that way on tour because <laughs> yeah. I get bored and if I'm bored then no one is having fun so um, I entertain myself on tour, and if everyone goes with me on that, then that's fun and great and yoo-hoo. Um, and hopefully people do have fun with it. But no, yeah. I don't, this is what I do on tour. Um, it's not coming out anywhere near as smoothly right now as it would if we were standing in front of or in the Vatican, because in the situation, it all kind of just clicks. Right. But um, yeah, no, this is, this is who I am, and this is how I give tours, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good for you. That's great. I'm sure you're very popular. My guests. Victims? Victims. (laughs) (laughs) Well, our tour guide had us stand out in the sun in July for 30 minutes on purpose. In the pine courtyard. With those... Where were you? Where were you? Yeah. We were up on a balcony. Uh, But the point is that the tour was kind of over with or partly over with and he was waiting for us to go back in and he just had to stand out in the sun and we were all literally melting and wilting and Cam and I just broke away and broke the rules and went to go hide in the shade somewhere but just not a very unpleasant boring uh, person uh, in my opinion. Yeah. So somebody owes us. Do you remember what not you shouldn't you you can cut this out but do you remember what company you were with? Mm. Too many drugs were flowing. I don't. <laughs> okay, uh, never mind. You yeah. listening. Well, in fact, I'm not even yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I'm not, there were so many drugs, I'm not even sure uh, we were at the Vatican. Uh, maybe we just, no, I was going to say. Maybe we just imagined. Um, because it's, it really is, yeah. it is such a shoot show with who you get with so many companies. And mm. with the Vatican itself, I mean, they have a lot of guides, but they, I mean, there are a few mother tongue English speakers. There are a massive amount of Italian guides. Mm. I mean, half of them mm. are great. Half of them are probably, I don't want to say this too loud, but, you know, it's its really just, yeah, it's difficult mm. to know who you're going to get, so. Yeah. Random. Do you yeah. do you see the Pope? Do you see the Pope much? Oh, you think he ever walked past? And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, no, I haven't, I haven't seen him yet. I haven't seen him yet. Um, I have seen, um, mm. I saw JP2 um, mm. in St. Peter's Square when he was giving his blessings. I used to be in the square often. We used to do a tour that would start there and be in the papal audience and then you go to the museums afterwards. Um, mm. So I've seen him nice. giving a few blessings. He just reminds me of Yoda. Such a. Mm. Yeah, you're not yeah. wrong. Yeah. And then you had Benedict XVI. Uh, which is funny because, yes, was Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so who does that make Francis? Who's Francis then in the Star Wars universe? He's Luke. He's Luke. (laughs) Really? Wow. Just doing the best I can, trying to kiss my sister. (laughs) Just doing, you know, trying to save the world. (laughs) Get to second base with my sister. Mm. Anyway, I'm done. Argentinian Luke. Um, 
So, okay, let's. <laughs> we've been talking for an hour. We haven't done much artwork. Oh, let's no, talk about the last judgment. <laughs> no. Okay, let's, the last you know. judgment. Okay. Um, I like. I love. I love the Last Judgment. Um, I, uh, you know the the um, empty. My favorite is the empty skin that's oh. being held up. Somebody's holding up the empty. Yeah. The skin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So first right. of all, the Last oh. Judgment. Twenty years later, more or less, Sistine Chapel, Last Judgment, the big old crowbar wedge between the two. Um, the Renaissance is over in Rome, basically the High Renaissance, um, and the Last Judgment. First of all, when you look at the Last Judgment, the thing that strikes most people is Jesus isn't Jesus. When you look at him, do you know what I'm talking about? He doesn't look like Jesus. Because Jesus is this weak, skinny dude with a right. goatee that you're all friends with. He's got this lovely, merciful gaze in his eyes and he wants to help you. Um, and, uh, and so you look at this Jesus and you're like, whoa, that's Rambo. Or maybe the Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> um, Schwarzer Jesus. A boxer. Complete change. Yes. Abs- yeah, he's just insanely built. Yeah. Jazz. Um, Steroids. Yeah. And uh, I mean, other than if we get artists to historically kind of into it, then of course it speaks to Michelangelo's respect for the antiquities and his influence, which is taken from statues such as the Belvedere Torso and the Larquorn, um, etc., etc. But he's saying something. He's like building. He's painting for you this amazing image of Jesus, who you don't recognize and who doesn't really give a crap about you. Because this Jesus doesn't. It's judgment day. It's like time is up. And if you look at him, he almost loves this. Is, I know right. Michelangelo's not doing this, but I was like, he's looking at his watch. He's like, come on, dudes. Got some judgment going on here. Let's go. So he's got some people being lifted up to the heaven side, others crushed down into hell. And, um, and he's right. supposed to be this detached, I think, this detached kind of cold, um, strong entity because the message is clear I think that you live your life according to God's law okay most most altar walls you find things like crucifixion which says to the congregation you're going to heaven Christ died for your sins it's okay really? okay but, um, mm. but of course that's not a given so the church people in general mustn't just act as they wish presume they're going to heaven you have to of course grab the rope that Christ threw you Right? If you don't grab the rope, you're not going right. to heaven. And people were forgetting that. Cardinals, bishops, the church Ooh. in general. I mean, this, the, the last judgment comes through. Um, its commission comes through a moment where Rome was sacked beyond belief, destroyed people, murdered, slaughtered. The most horrific things happened in 1527. And it's interpreted, mm-hmm. even though realistically it was something that had happened. The, the Pope had made a political mistake. He had uh, he'd chosen the wrong team in Europe one hot minute and the holy roman emperor kind of went no you don't um and sent troops down to rome mercenary troops that were told you can make your pay off the city like loot rome but punish the pope for his betrayal um they didn't manage to punish the pope they were lutheran by this time so this is 10 years after the sack the uh the 95 theses that on uh, halloween of 1517 that luther nailed to wittenberg cathedral doors you know all that business um and so We've got uh, we've got this attitude taken, this kind of interpretation of, of this awful moment in Roman history, and it is because God is smiting Rome and reminding the Church of how one gets to heaven. You must pass through God's law. You must live your life accordingly. You must live within the bounds of Jesus Christ's words. And so on Judgment Day, he's mm. like, "Yeah, right, time's mm. over. Who's going up? Mm. And who's going down?" So it's this this. Yeah, very strong care. message yeah. yeah and he doesn't care yeah yeah he's right. detached completely if you look at his face 
It comes from the Belvedere Apollo. Yeah. And the Belvedere Apollo is an idealistic work of art. And in the idealistic period, the arts really do concentrate themselves on, of course, idealism. And emotion is deemed mm -hmm. to be inferior. You are in control mm. of your emotion. You are superior to your mm. emotive being. All right, so that's why no. a lot of the statues just look plain bored, to be honest with you. But um, mm -hmm. the Apollo of Belvedere is the face of Jesus on the Last Judgment. And so it's this mm. complete control, because of complete emotional detachment in, in this mm. function that he's performing. Mm. So. Right. I've got to straighten up my life. <laughs> You've scared me. Mm. You've mm. scared me to God. I love the. Oh my god! I always goodness. love the fact that the all of the sackings of Rome were always done by Christians. Yeah. We, we've we in early it's the best early kind. In this series. I don't know where you started in our series, but we we as you do when you do a series on the Renaissance, you have to start with. Um, we started around about two hundred uh, CE. Yeah. And um, I don't, I don't we, think I started, started with them. You guys are insane. <laughs> well, we had to talk about we had to talk about the fall of Rome in order yeah. to talk about the rebuilding the revival, of yeah, Rome. Yeah, I guess yeah, I get it. Exactly. But you know, the, you know, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that the Goths were Christians. You know, they were Aryans, but they were they I were Christians and. So, you know, I love the fact that uh, St. Augustine then needs to kind of try and process, well, Rome, God allowed Rome to be destroyed. And it's now Christian Rome, pretty much. I mean, Theodosius mm -hmm. has been and gone. And it's now, you know, it's Christian Rome. Uh, Christianity is now, you know, the, the, the only legal religion in the empire, except for Judaism. But, you know, it's kind of everything. But it's, um, we tolerate that. But uh, and it gets sacked, and not just sacked, but sacked by other Christians, the, the wrong kind of Christians. Again, every time they're like, "Well," right. and we always yeah. we always love the fact that Augustine was like, "Well, all the Christian women in Rome that that were raped, um, that was God's way of saying you were a little bit too uppity. Um, you 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 were, so you were taking, <laughs> oh, yeah, you were taking too much pride in your virginity." So uh, God so said people will rape you. So there you go. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, as you say, then the, then the Lutherans uh, come through 1,000 or 1,100 years later. Again, it's always Christians sacking uh, yeah. <laughs> Rome. There's well, nothing sexier, yeah. apart from your husky voice this morning, there's nothing <laughs> sexier, I think, than... <laughs> Christian on Christian violence. I, I think just I love nearly it. Canceled. I can't get enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've no, been it's... nearly cancelled many times. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. But the, the thing about those Lutherans, though, is that yeah. they were they were they were mercenary soldiers. They were like the low down kind of. I'm going to be Lutheran because he's Lutheran, and I don't really know what it means. Like they weren't intellectual. Yeah. Well, Christians. that's Christianity in general, right? Yeah, I mean that's no kind of what it what is it today means, as well, you know? isn't it? People sort of beating up on each yeah. other and not really knowing where yeah. their religion comes yeah. from. It's just kind of insane. Mm. Yeah. Well, have you have you heard about this yet? I did. I started watching a little bit of it. I managed. I last minute right. kind of went. Oh, look what he did! That's all. Um, you interviewed yeah. Amy Jill Levine. I did, AJ. Yeah. yeah, she's awesome. And and took her out afterwards and had a cigar with her at a little cigar bar in nice. uh, Durham, North yes. Carolina. Very she is. Cool. Was cool. You know, AJ. I don't know her. I she's wish I hilarious. did. I listened to her courses oh. on uh, TTC. Really. She yeah, is so. so cool. Like she uh, seriously is. Yeah. Um, I feel like one she, of my heroes. Yeah, I love her. That her courses. <laughs> she her lectures are super. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So cool. Was that the? Was that the lady that told us her one guilty pleasure was 
not only cigars, but kind of the low end cigar. I'm yes. trying to remember. She was yeah, like, yeah. I want, I like my, it drives my husband crazy, but I just like these cheap cigars. It makes me very oh, happy. Yeah. And you we're like me. cheap. No problem. Yeah. You're no, talking to the we, right we people. We took her out so. and made her smoke yeah. a good cigar. Oh, yeah. good for yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, yes. so yeah. Okay. Smoking yeah. cigars. Oh gosh. Imagine doing that with this. Ugh, it'd be a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking uh, of cigars, yeah. have you seen Bill Clinton in the Vatican? Has <laughs> anyone showed you? There's a statue of Bill Clinton, uh, no. and he's smoking uh, a cigar, yeah. but it's not mm. actually him. It's an ancient, yeah. this is a random ancient sculpture that you just walk past, and you're yeah. like, oh, wow. And the be- <laughs> It looks like Bill Clinton. <laughs> the, be- the beautiful Bill thing Clinton. is, it's right above a mosaic of Athena in the Greek crossroom with the two sarcophagi mm-hmm. of Constantine's mm-hmm. family, mother and daughter, and the mosaic on the floor is of Athena uh, with the Medusa head, and so there's the best joke. Mm. It's just like, don't look, don't look at Medusa. Mm. Don't look, she still works. Mm. Look, Bill Clinton got stuck. Mm. It's uh, mm. very stupid. But, um, um. Medusa, of course, is his wife, Hillary. Um, there's, t- tell me about the Constantine sarcophagi. What's, I don't know about that. What's that? Yes, you do. Um, that, sorry, my cats are fighting. Um, the Constantine sarcophagi. It's not Constantine's, it's Constantine's family sarcophagi. So his yeah. mother and his daughter um, in the Greek crossroom uh, in the Pio Clementine yeah. Museum. And uh, one sarcophagi was mm. supposedly the sarcophagus of the, the mother of Constantine, Helen. Helena. And the other is his daughter. So, uh, wow. yeah, the beautiful red, red Egyptian oh, cool. porphyry sarcophagi was very impressive. Oh. Yeah, wow. Things. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Tell us, tell us about. So- some of your other favourite bits. The Raphael rooms, I was going to say. We're going yeah, to go to Raphael. Raphael. Yes. 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 Transfiguration. The okay, rooms. so something yes. else that wouldn't have happened Stanza. if it mm. wasn't for the Borgia. Mm. So when um, Julius II is Giuliano della Rovere before he becomes the Pope. Right, so he's mm-hmm. voted in. By the way, the 31st of October, do you know that date is kind of kind of important in the whole scheme of things because the Sistine Chapel twice was inaugurated on that date, sealing an altar wall, 31st of October, mm. respectively 1512 and 1541. 31st of October, mm. 1503, Julius II is voted in. 31st of October, 1501, the Borgia family have a party called the Banquet of the Chestnuts in their mm. apartments in the Vatican. If you care to look that up, I'm not going to talk about it. It's very naughty. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um... <laughs> 31st of October is the day that 95 theses were nailed on Wittenberg Cathedral door. Okay, so it's mm. a big and it. 31st oh, wow. of October is my birthday. Um, and, oh, uh, oh yeah. well, there you go. Another world Very event. important day. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, so the 1503, 31st of October, Julius II becomes Pope, right? When he becomes Pope, where does he move? He doesn't move into the same apartments as his predecessor, um, the Borgia Pope. Because as Giuliano della Rovere, when he was cardinal, the Borgia Pope persecuted him horribly. In fact, he was a fear, in a fear of his life. He, he felt if he stepped into Rome, he'd be mm. murdered, which is probably true. He probably would have been killed. Um, so when he becomes Pope, do you think he wants to live in the rooms that the Borgia Pope has had frescoed by Pinturicchio with his family members' faces? And there's a heraldic symbolry all over mm. the apartments of the Borgia coat of arms. So he goes, nah, mate, I'm not moving in there. Uh-uh. You know, shut those rooms up. I'm not interested. I'm going to move upstairs where that nasty little Cesare that Borgia lived, but luckily he didn't have all the paintings done. And I'm going to have those rooms repainted the way I want to. So he, he hires a host of nice. amazing artists of the re- early Renaissance, like some of the big guns, some of the dream team. <laughs> um, so Signorelli, Perugino, these kind of guys. And uh, they get started mm. to work. 
uh, in his apartment. And then Bramante says, listen, dude, because Bramante is the official engineer and architect of Julius II. Mm-hmm. Bramante basically mm-hmm. shaped what we see as the Vatican today, more or less. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. and Bramante, uh, he says, listen, dude, I've got this, uh, this, this sort of kind of friend in, uh, in Urbino, from Urbino, the kind of place where I'm from. And uh, Julius, I think you'd like him. Let him fresco one of your walls. It's a good idea. So Julius lets Raphael fresco one of the walls. And Raphael's given this topic. He's it's a sort of fresco. This is the thing. They have to envision these topics. I mean, imagine if someone says, um, the, the Pope says to Raphael, I want you to fresco, I want you to envision God, the revelation, as present physically in a wafer. Right, and Raphael's like, <clears throat> okay, <laughs> give me a minute. <laughs> but he does, he does the most amazing job. He manages to structure it perfectly, giving it this architectural form, which finds deep meaning once Raphael is given an opportunity to complete the room, mm. which I don't know if it was his intention or not, but it feels like he knew what was coming. Right. He knew that it was so good. Like it was just this quiet, calm, sort of, it's like, you know, the, 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 the behemoth enters the room. Just Raphael arrives and just everything else is just gone. Um, he completes that one wall. The Pope loves it so much that he fires everyone else. <laughs> he has Raphael paint over whatever had been done earlier as well. There's one wall in those Raphael rooms which was painted by Piero della Francesca and Raphael mm. frescoes over it. Right, but if you're going to fresco over a Piero della Francesca, you know what you have to do. You have to you have to bring out the big guns. You've got yes. to do something which turns people's heads. Yeah, yes. so he paints the first night scene in art history on the wall oh, where wow. Piero della Francesca was. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, so Raphael got the job, huh? And uh, uh, poor Michelangelo. You know that those two they didn't get on very well. No, oh, Michelangelo. It was more Michelangelo. He kind of hated Raphael. He, he felt like it was this kind of. I mean, it must have felt like this. To be fair, poor Michelangelo. He's slaving his little heart out in the Sistine Chapel on that scene, and along right. comes this kid. Essentially, he's not really. He's so they're seven years younger right. than Michelangelo, hmm. um, and he kind of swoops in and starts swiping all the plum commissions. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. it just must feel like a cuckoo's arrived, you know. It's like, what's happening mm-hmm. here? Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Raphael, he, he was this amazing, positive guy, full of light and love, apparently. Always surrounded by students. Loved, loved to talk to people, loved to be a part of it. He was a real sort of member of the court. He knew how to right. behave. His father was a nobleman as well, so kind of had the, the taste for the noble life. This is also one of the reasons I think we don't give him much lip service because he would kind of have, was born in with a silver spoon in the mouth. Mm. He never really had to drag mm-hmm. himself up from anywhere. So right. it's funny because you say mm. to people, if you say to clients, um, if I say the name Michelangelo, what do you say? And they go, David. And you say, if I say the name Leonardo da Vinci, and there's kind of a, a mixed mi- match between uh, flying machine, mirror writing, or Mona Lisa. Yeah. Um, and then you say, mm. Raphael, and they'll go, uh, they know Ninja Turtle. Yeah, they know. Mm. You just stole my joke. They know that they have to know <laughs> something about Raphael <laughs> because he's one of the turtles. Right. If it wasn't for um, that, yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. They know. They know. They should know by Raphael. So I do kind of make a point on tour of pointing ever of like it pointing a finger at everyone and being like, "Now you know. You've been to the Raphael rooms. Now you know." And Raphael was the king of the Renaissance. I don't care what anyone thinks today. Yeah. He, 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 I think he won the Renaissance. He was only actively prolific in Rome for something like eight, ten years. And he just you know, wiped the board clean, wow. <laughs> you know? 
So, uh, yeah, Michelangelo was sent up to Florence after Julius II died because the Pope, um, the Medici Pope who came to power, uh, Giovanni de Medici, son of Lorenzo, by the way. So if you've heard of the, uh, the Patsy conspiracy, mm. oh, that's a fun one. Oh, um, we've, we've done we've done so many episodes on the Medici and the Patsy did you conspiracy. Love them. You have. Oh, I can't wait to listen oh, to them. Many. Hundreds and hundreds of hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Okay. So Lorenzo. Nothing. Nothing. No, nothing better than when the Pope uh, gives orders to have you and your brother assassinated <laughs> in the Duomo <laughs> on yes. High Holy Day. Yeah. yeah it's like uh, that's that's. It doesn't get any better than that. Right. Yeah. I, but amazing. didn't didn't actually didn't actually give orders for you to be assassinated. Right. It was like. No, yeah. no, no. My nephew. I don't want to know about it. Yeah, yeah, you take care of it. I'll uh, anyway. Sorry, get get back. Yeah, 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 absolutely true. Right, you know, you know how the Sistine Chapel is. It looks like a fortress from the outside, Mm -hmm. and I know the dates Mm -hmm. don't quite coincide. But I always think to myself, it's because he knew you could be killed in church. It's like he's like, we've got to make this a strong structure because I've had some. You know, he's kind of done it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, but um. Yeah, yeah. So Lorenzo de Medici's uh, son, Giovanni de Medici, becomes the Pope. Leo X, the infamous Leo X, who, when he became the Pope, he basically yeah. said, uh, "The God gave us the papacy, so we may enjoy it." Um, he yes. sent Michelangelo packing. He sent him up to Florence because he couldn't stand yeah. the arguments. I think between <laughs> Raphael right. and Michelangelo, that kind of animosity between right. them, was such that Raphael won. He was the golden child. He was happy and nice. Right. He wasn't the kind of guy that I remember. You said this about an artist or other. So the kind of artist that you'd go in and he'd be like, uh, oh, yeah, sure. You want to come and check out my work? That's okay. Yeah, yeah. That was Raphael. Michelangelo's like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go Only away. at the last minute. Yeah. And then it's, ta-da. You know, it's a grumpy old dude, He was more like, more like uh, Brunelleschi. No, I'm not, I'm not showing yeah, it was, anything. It was... You don't get to know Anti-social. anything. It's all secret. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Because I am a great but, genius. But pay me anyway. Can I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Can we can we go back to Raphael and the Transfiguration? Because yeah. um, looking at that, obviously he's got, uh, you know, Jesus is more of your traditional sort of Jesus, a uh, mm. little bit hippie. I think he needs yeah. to lose a few pounds. Um, he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't really have the Schwarzer bod. But when you, when you go down, there's this uh, young man, down in the lower right-hand side, who who looks like a young Ray, I think. He's, Thank you. Um, <laughs> I appreciate, I appreciate that. Oh, uh, no. You know, Ray. Sweet. Ray had a tough childhood. <laughs> he was uh, he was a bubble boy. It's not over with yet. Lived in a bubble for the first fifteen years of his life, right. and and that uh, and this kid looks like that. He's got his eyes are pointing in different directions. He's obviously uh, either. Wow. He's either mentally challenged or has been listening to our entire Renaissance series from the beginning in one quick burst right. and it just melted his brain. Um, explain to us what's going on in this painting, if you'd be so kind, Julia. Okay, so... Because um, we haven't done Raphael yet on the show. We're still 100 episodes into Leonardo, yeah, so I, we've got to get there. Yet. Yeah. I was looking at the list. I'm like, oh, my God, what are they going to do when they get to Michelangelo and Raphael? This is going to be like 2030 by the time you finish. <laughs> yes, yes. You're not wrong. Yeah, and I'll be... Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, okay, so that was a commission made for the Cathedral of Narbonne in France and mm. uh, by, by uh, Giuliano de' Medici. And it was, um, 
uh, initially uh, just Raphael, but then um, because Raphael was dragging his heels a bit, that was uh, someone else was brought in as well. It was a student of Michelangelo, a shock horror student of Michelangelo. Do they exist? Yes, right. one or two. Um, Sebastiano mm. del Piombo, and uh, and so I think Julianne mentioned she did this to kind of shake the ground, be like, "Come on, I want the best out of you guys," because it was known that Michelangelo would step in and be like, "Oh, I've got, to, I've got to have a word. I'm going to do some sketches for you, mate. I'm going to help you." Um, so. What's happening in the painting, the choice of Raphael was for a transfiguration, but he's used his magic vision eye and he's uh, made it into this double scene. It's kind of two, two scenes, two stages, mm -hmm. where on the upper section of the painting you have um, the transfiguration. Christ has gone onto Mount Tabor um, with Peter, James and John. Right. And uh, he's up in the head. Basically his body has been raised into the heavens as being buffeted by heavenly winds. Ooh. And he's conversing with Elijah and Moses to confirm that he is the Messiah. And the voice comes booming down from the heavens and it says, this is Jesus Christ, my son. And so it's the realization of who Christ is for sure. Nice. First time, uh, Peter James done. Then they go off the hill. They go down off the hill. In the Bible, it's the next sort of scene um, where you find that uh, that uh, Jesus kind of sees the other nine apostles who are bumbling around. They don't know what they're doing. They're trying to exercise a demon from a young boy. And in the painting, I love it because if you look at it, you've got all these guys, and they're like, I don't know. There's, no, there's nothing in the book about it. Ask him. You know, they kind of just don't know what they're doing. Right. And so Christ chastises the other apostles um, and then exorcises the demon from the young boy. The young boy is in this kind of crazy position and so his eyes Google around in his head. He's possessed by a demon. And his father is behind him in this kind of green robe. And I love it because you look at the face of the father and you can see in his eyes, it's like, you, you help my son. And it's like, I'm like, you will do it. Like to the apostles, right? Actually, the, the look I get in the father's eye is like, I, I heard so many good things about you guys. And really, this is what <laughs> yeah. I'm getting for my money. Like this is the Ghostbusters. Like, oh my God. Yeah. What have, Come on. What have I done? Get it together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, absolutely. But then you've got the figure in the foreground. This is my, the, my favorite. This is a true Renaissance beauty, all right? So forget this kind of Kate Moss skinny twig kind of thing. This is like the voluptuous, mm -hmm. glorious Renaissance mm -hmm. female. Mm -hmm. Rafa, and she's kind Raf of. Raphaelesque. Raphaelesque. Mm -hmm. Raphaelesque beauty. Yes. Yeah. And she's kind of half new. This is a posture that Raphael chooses to use a couple of times with this type of female she's kind of half kneeling and pointing back towards her son and she's kind of she's supposed to be the boy's mother saying help him out kind of oh, thing please right but right, it is right. said that she is a portrait of a rather well-known lady mm. Uh, mm. and this young lady uh, is known as la fornarina meaning the baker's daughter right. so oh. uh now, here's the thing. Raphael, as we said, was born of noble blood. He's a nobleman, so he kind of has to go. If he's going to get married, he has to marry a noble woman. He was engaged to a noble woman. Hmm. Um, hmm. Uh, Maria, Maria Antonia Bibiena was her name. And uh, and she uh, she wasn't much fun, apparently, because I guess noble women back then, they were trained to be the, the, the books, the kind of household keepers. So she's, she's right. trained in that, you know. Not, not very interesting. I mean, if you're a guy, then you might decide to go and take a courtesan for your pleasure because they were interesting. They mm. were taught to dance and sing. And yeah, they would uh, discuss uh, poetry and, and all kinds of things with courtesans. But uh, he didn't go with a courtesan. He met this, this baker's daughter, a peasant, like a dirty, stinky peasant. Yeah. Mm. But he, he fell for her. Your private, yeah, your private school education's coming out here, <laughs> Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, She's I like to uh, commiserate, you know. Right. <laughs> God. 
All right. So, um, so Raphael went with this peasant and, uh, and, and fell for her. And apparently he really did fall for her because he put her in a few of his paintings. It's interpreted. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's one which he mm-hmm. really, we really do believe. Are we academic? I'm not an academic. I'm just a blooming tour guide, all right? But um, the academics believe that uh, it is her. It's called La Fornarina. It's a painting you can see in Rome in the Barberini Gallery. And on this painting, mm. she's uh, basically topless. She has a chiffon gown. Mm. It's like, I oh, know, I've put a dress mm-hmm. on her. You can see straight through it. Um, and she has a mm-hmm. black band on her arm. And on the black band, he's written his name. It's like, oh. she's oh. mine. Right. Hands mm-hmm. off. Yeah. You can um, tattoo women? I didn't know that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's just an armband. It's a tattoo. Oh. Um, mm. So, mm. so he's written his name on her. And uh, this painting was actually x-rayed in 2002, I think it was, and they discovered that under the top layer of uh, skin, there's a uh, paint for her skin, there's another layer of paint underneath, and on her wedding finger, there is a ruby ring. So it looks like he didn't just mm. mess around with her. Ooh. He put a ring on it. Mm. <laughs> so this is mm. my man. I'm sorry, this is my renaissance husband. Mm. I love this guy. Um, nice. He really stuck with his conviction when he married her. Love um, and love. the reason it would be covered, uh, yeah, well, you know, he, uh, the reason he would cover it up is because uh, his students, well, he didn't cover it up. He, he died. And his students were like, ah, oh, crap. He married this chick. What are we going to do? Our reputation is mud. Right. Let's, let's just pretend it didn't happen. Okay, guys? And they, they paint over the hand. So it looks oh. like, yeah. So, wow. um, yeah, the Fauna Arena. There's a whole bunch of great stories about, about her. And, uh, yeah, have you guys read Vasari? I have, yes. Sure well, have. I've read Vasari. I've read, I've read the bits of Vasari about the artists that we've covered. Right. Yeah, yeah. We're right. not, not Raphael yet. No. Yeah. Okay. But Vasari basically says that Raphael died, as he did die at the age of thirty-six, nearly thirty-seven. Um, died young uh, after an eleven-day fever. Vasari blames it on um, <laughs> the excesses beyond normal mm. with this young female mm. friend. Oh. So he blames oh. it on the mistress. He says Raphael was having a bit too much mm. nookie and got himself a nasty fever. Mm. What I probably killed him was the doctors, actually. But right, yeah, <laughs> mm. but but blame yeah, the woman. The back then. Blame the yeah, woman. Yeah, blame no, but mm. because the doctors would have bled you and they would have probably given you mercury as a person right. with fever mm. back then. They're like, here, take this. <laughs> Everyone who had fevers died. Mm. Uh, the mm. But um, anyway, so. yeah, the doctors. The doctors were basically like uh, Trump. Trump Republicans. Yeah, uh, there you COVID. go. Just they were like, hey, I think we'll just inject some bleach yeah. into your lungs. That should Let's just right. make it up as we go along. Yeah. We'll just, uh, yeah, we'll Why do our patients we keep could, we could, Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we could talk to you um, all night because you're fabulous, yes. but I, I think it's pretty late where oh, you I'm are. Oh, I'm sorry. Right? What? Yeah, it's quite late. It's okay. It's, uh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> well, look, we, we, we don't want to keep you, but... Um, Couple of things. Number one, you're now, uh, whether you like it or not, our official Vatican tour yes. guide for the show. Yes. So, um, yes. if people listening to this are going to the Vatican and they want to book a tour with you and only you, mm-hmm. how do they how do they do that? Well, uh, the most uh, the most functional way, because I don't have my own personal website, I work for agencies. But the most functional way is just going to be to email me. And I can put my professional, my work email, which is theacharity at gmail.com. Uh, and that, that anyone can email me there if they want to uh, and contact mm. me and see if I'm free. So, Where's the Thea come into it? Thea is uh, means, uh, gift of the gods, by the way, is what Thea means. Gift of the gods. Mm. It's not my choice of name, though. Well, my, mother, my mother. My mother. Well, <laughs> Look you at are. you. 
Um, my, yeah, it's uh, my mum's name, and the, my, they accidentally gave it to me the wrong way around. It was supposed to be Julia Thea Charity, but it went the wrong way around. So everyone calls me Julia. My first name is Thea. Oh, beautiful name. The punches. Yeah. It's a, a lovely bureaucratical so, mess up. <laughs> theater, Thea, Thea, Thea Charity, T H E A Charity at gmail.com. Say, heard you on Cameron Ray, mm. uh, coming to Rome, want a tour of the Vatican. Let's, let's make this happen. Yeah. Yes. That works for and me. And we will tip. We will tip very yes. well. Um, and uh, listen, we would love it uh, to. We would love. Uh, we would love to get your cats back on the show. Wow, they are really going at it. That, I could sell wow. tickets to that cat fight. Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! It's uh, the Thunderdome. Oh, good move! Good move! Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Oh. That's Cosimo de Medici, by the way. That's his name. He's Cosimo de Medici. Oh, he's getting his ass. What's the he's other one? Getting it. Her name's Sophie. This is oh. uh, yeah. This is foreplay, mate. This is, no, I'm kidding. It's not foreplay. But uh, he's a kid. He's just... <laughs> That's what foreplay looks like for right yeah, yeah, yeah. Cosimo, Pretty really. Much. Oh, big fan oh, of Cosimo. God. We lo- we loved Cosimo, didn't we, Ray? We yes. loved talking about Cosimo. He was love me some Cosi. He was the yeah. He was oh, the yeah. he was the man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We listen. We'd love to have you back on, yes. uh, Julia, because you're a lot of fun, and we can when we get to Michelangelo and Raphael, maybe you can come on and help us understand that. Yes. Um, sure. That would be know, that would be lovely. I'd love to talk to you again. <laughs> Absolutely. That'd be great. It's been a lot of so, fun. So. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Hopefully Thank you so much for taking your evening. <laughs> no, 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 we like it like this. Yeah, Keep it smoke like this. a lot. No, we insist smoke that a lot. Smoke a lot. Yeah, I'll smoke go a lot. I'll get sick before I speak to you again. <laughs> oh, oh, no. It's a fine well, line. Well, don't get, don't get COVID no, before you no, speak no, to no. us again. Yeah. Should come back. <laughs> Hello. Anyway. It's just Wait, for you guys. All, all things... <laughs> Yeah. All things being equal, I, I, I plan to be back in Italy 2023, I think, at this stage. 20... So if the world doesn't melt down, we'll be back in 2023 and take a tour with you ourselves. That'd yeah. be fantastic. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. I would love to show you around. We'll also That's go to the Vatican. Um, <laughs> so, Jill... <laughs> <Ba-dum>, <ba-dum. laughs> that's what... No, that's... What? Uh, thank you so much, You're more Julia. Than that was a lot of fun. It's been my pleasure. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me on the show.